Welcome to another edition of Sunshine State Takes. My name is Brandon Carroll and I'm along with my co-host Matt McConnell. And we're going to get right back into our divisional previews today, talking about the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Washington football team with the NFC East, along with the hashtag we want to play movement that's going on in college football right now. Aren't we, Matt? That's right, man. Uh, We just finished our AFC division previews. We gave our Super Bowl picks for the AFC at the end of last week's show. You gave the Ravens. I took... Uh, a bit more of the bull take route and went with the Broncos. So we're going to progress through the NFC divisions here throughout the next few weeks, along with any other big sports topics that pop up. And when that's all wrapped up, we're going to give you the other half of our Super Bowl picks. And we're just going to go from there. We're excited. Um, we're, you know, we're a little less than a month away from Chiefs Texans, assuming everything stays on pace with COVID and whatnot. Uh, teams are starting to get back to training camp. So it's starting to, Really look like football might actually make its triumphant return. Uh, college is in a bit of a different road, but we're also going to touch on that today as well, so it's going to be a good show. Absolutely. Welcome into Sunshine State Takes, everyone. We just got done with our intro. We're about to get right into the show. We're excited. Like I said, training camps are underway. We're going to get into the NFC East, the We Want to Play movement. Lots of stuff going on in the sports world recent or as of recent. But we're going to go with what we usually start off here on this show. Brandon, what's on your mind today? You know, I was trying to think of what's on my mind, and I really I'm, I drew a blank. Uh, but yeah. w- one thing that I can talk about is, you know, I've been really getting into golf lately, and okay. so, you know, I've been playing at least once a week, and, you know, going to the range a few times, and I just finished school yesterday, or Tuesday, all right, okay. I finished my summer classes, I have a two-week break, and I just, I know for a fact that I will be at the golf course at least three times a week, maybe even more, so it's, it's right. going to be an interesting few times a week, I don't know if you ever played golf, but... It's one of the most fun. I got yep. a set of clubs recently, and I went out once with my dad. But I will, I need yeah. to get out more. Yeah, you know? yeah. I got I got to start putting the clubs to use. So. Absolutely, it's definitely one of the most fun but frustrating games that there is Probably because not. there's so many different ways to hit the ball, so many different ways to make contact. It's just, it's a great game. It, you know, you can relax and just hang out with friends, and you know, right. it's something to do during COVID. But at the same time, it's you know not very fun whenever you're going out and hacking balls and things like that. So. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I'll, I can put together a good performance today. I'm the first person who will go to top golf and crush them all day long, but there are other aspects to the game of golf than just sending a ball 250 yards at top golf. I yeah. got to work on a lot of other things, but you know, I'd love to get out there more. Um, you know, there are plenty of places around me like the JCP golf course. And I know 
there's uh, a range on Phillips Highway somewhere over there. So UNF as well has a golf course. So there are opportunities. I just got to get on it. But it's something I'd love to pick up. Yeah, for sure. My uh, my home course, quote unquote, is Southampton. I really like Southampton. Okay. It's really, it's open. You know, there's not really much room for error. But it, and it, you know, kind of builds my confidence. But at the same time, it's just a nice course. Um, it's it's right. one that, it's probably one of the nicer ones in my opinion, around here other than St. John's or uh, any of the world golfs, which they're right. way too expensive for me to be playing consistently. So, Right. right. Yeah, so, so how about you? Anything else? Or? No, I was going to ask you what's um, on your mind. Yeah, I was, I'm, a, I'm honestly a little blanking as well, but what you said it uh, that was interesting is you just finished your summer classes and have a two-week break. Yes. Well, I turn around and start classes this Monday. Oh, and I guess I guess the direction that I could take this what's on your mind is uh, with COVID and everything. When we got sent home from school in March and had to do online classes, it's really just been a five month kind of summer or really a five month gap where there really wasn't a lot going on. And it was really the first time in our lives it was like that, where it was kind of just like, all right, we're going to be living the home life for a bit and whatnot. And it's just crazy to think that in a time period like COVID where everything is an uncertainty and you never know which direction the news is going to go in day after day, that time actually managed to go by pretty quickly. Yeah. And now here we are, what's today? The 13th. We are, I'm me, me specifically here. I am four days away uh, from classes starting again. And it's like, well, where the heck did the time go? That, that went by a lot faster than I thought it would. So it, it's been a very interesting uh, summer, to say the least. But you mentioned that you got uh, some time before you start classes again. I'm getting ready to, to shoot the gun here. So I don't necessarily know. I have an in-person class. I'm not sure. It's going to be a little weird going back on campus, kind of seeing how UNF is going to patrol everything in terms of masks and social distancing. But, you know, I'm, I'm in for the ride. I'm going to do what they ask me to do because I'm just there to get my schoolwork done and really um, – Pretty, that's pretty much it. I know they're reopening the gym, so I'll try to hit that a few times. But uh, going on campus is definitely going to be an experience for sure. Because last time I was there, you know, I was living in the dorm and everything was normal, just hanging out with the buddies. And now it's going to be a lot of policing going on, making sure students aren't congregating. And uh, I actually took a COVID course that I need to take to go back on campus. And something that it said in there was, High fives, fist bumps, all that stuff are going to be prohibited. Yeah, you're not allowed to shake your friend's hands anymore. Which I don't, I don't know uh, personally. There, uh, handshaking isn't something I've completely abandoned since this COVID's hit. Yeah, uh, I certainly am not going out of my way to shake people's hands. But if I'm seeing people I haven't seen in a while or something, like I, I'm, you know, I, I could definitely see how it might be something that is a thing of the past when COVID's all said and done. But uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting, just things like that. Uh, and I'm kind of also curious to see if that's the direction that, uh, you know, like some of these stadiums take, kind of just to put the discussion back on a, a sports topic. I wonder uh, if you'll ever see stadiums be like, hey, you're not allowed to fist bump and high five anymore. I don't, uh, I don't see that happening. I don't, it's, hard, it's hard to see that happening, but you never know what the direction this is taking. So that's what I got. I guess the whole point of that was classes are starting soon and it's just really shocking how fast time has gone by looking back on it. For sure. Um, so I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to start taking this into, uh, you know, the the main entrees. Let's get into this. Uh, we want to play discussion. Let's get into the NFC East. 
uh, and let's take it from there. Unless you got anything else That's, you want to add. No, I have nothing else I want to add. Uh, actually, yeah. getting into we want to play um, is you know the direction I want to go right now. So we want to play kind of sprung up out of nowhere. You know, that was happening around 10 o'clock at night. Um, I I don't remember exactly when. I think it was over the weekend. But it was just, yeah, it was Sunday night um, that it was going on. Um, Spearheaded by the face of football right now in college, Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, if nothing else comes out of this time of uncertainty in COVID, it's the fact that college players are finally getting their voice within college football. For so long, we've seen at least... In, in an aspect, we've seen college players be kind of uh, looked at as, you know, that they, they are still kids in an aspect concerning the people higher up in NCAA because of, you know, they're playing for education and stuff like that. So um, it's really just, uh, I think with what we're seeing now, we're seeing a movement that not only is making it to where they want to play or like sharing that they want to play with COVID going on and everything with the, with safe precautions and everything, but it's really the turn of the voices of college player players being heard. Cause we haven't right. seen this, this is unprecedented. We've never seen college players voices being heard in the way that it is right now. And I think that while it is very important to take a step back and realize like, okay, these players actually want to play this season. It has much bigger implications than what's happening right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was kind of under the implication that college just wasn't going to make it. Um, you know, we've been hearing so many different things, but for a while it seemed like, well, they're going to move to the spring or what's going to happen. And Lawrence kind of just comes out of nowhere with this hashtag, we want to play. And it's like, okay, yeah, like I can get behind that. I want to, I want to see him play. Let's, and then he comes, he comes back and he says, let's work together to create a situation where we can play the game that all of us love, not divide and argue. There is a way forward. And then it's kind of like, okay, so he's not really just tweeting a hashtag to tweet a hashtag. There's actually a, you know, there's a motivation here. Yeah. He, 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 and then he gets into a super long thread, which I'm not going to uh, read the whole thing, but a couple things that I want to highlight are he talked about players going back to their prior living situations uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, there are just so many things that need to be factored uh, in into uh, the – I'm, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, I'm, I'm completely blanking. The decision to cancel the season, there are so many things that need to be factored into that. And I thought the most important thing was, well, what do you do with some of these athletes if, you know, they're ultimately not able to go back on campus? Uh, you know, because a lot of these kids that, you know, work super hard to get these football scholarships and stuff, it's pretty evident that they don't come from the greatest areas. And football is kind of their escape from that. And then there's this whole argument where it's like, oh, well, you know, football is more important than classes. Well, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the main reason some of these kids are on campus able to do these classes is because they have a football scholarship paying for it and stuff. And, um, you know, these kids just work so hard to get to this point to be able to be on the college campus, be around these resources, be around these state-of-the-art training facilities. And I just feel like, there needs to be a lot more consideration into ending or calling off the season, especially if they want to play. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that sticks out in his, uh, he posted a picture and it was the, we are United uh, times or like as well as right. we want to play. And that was, that's kind of the uh, mantra that's going on right now within college football. And um, 
it says that their ultimate goal is to create a players association for college football. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what the college football needs. I know it's, it's about time. It's it is about time and you know what I understand the, you know, the fear that's been put in for the NCAA to not be considered conferences really to not be considered liable over, you know, the college athletes that are going out to play because let's say one does get COVID and let's say he, you know, goes out and has lifelong, like, you know, like just, let's say there's some situation where COVID like ultimate, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it largely changes his life, uh, alters his right. life in a way that, you know, he can't recover from it. He, you know, misses a two, a year of football and then tries to, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's just a big situation that they're trying right. to not be liable for. And I think a big reason that this is actually occurring is because we've seen foot, college football has been parts for so many years. We're seeing the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, SEC. Right. We're seeing all these conferences make decisions on their own. And then you got leagues like the NFL where it's all one, you know, they're able to communicate, they're able to act in unison, and it's seemingly working out a bit better in that aspect. So um, I think what we need, what while players need to be united, I think what the other thing that needs to be united is NCAA as a whole instead of breaking it up into these conferences because we're seeing right now that some are not going to agree with others and it's just it's going to be you know with the Big 10 and Pac-12 all canceling their seasons and moving them to their quote unquote moving them to the spring which I I'll get into that to a minute how that I you know it could work but I don't think it will um no. but I just think there's so much division and Trevor Lawrence touched on it perfectly there's so much division within college football right now it's so important for these players to not you know try to divide themselves and argue and things like that and to really just unite and kind of raise their voices and say like this is what we want this is how we want it and we're going to push that forward on that agenda to be able to achieve what we want so I really like what he's doing you you compare the NFL in terms of it's it's a unified league kind of all agreeing and making the same decision uh, and then you mentioned how college is very split up in terms of conferences and everyone makes their own decisions. So where is kind of that that middle ground, you think? Where, where How can college really improve on that and kind of get to where the NFL is in terms of it's, you know, the association discusses with the league and we discuss from there. Is that is that players association in college football what is what is needed in order to kind of bring these conferences together instead of, you know, everyone making their own individual decisions. Is that what you think that middle ground is? Um, yes. I think a players association is needed no matter what, even if they do want to keep with the, you know, multiple conferences having to make the decisions. But I do think there has to be some type of, uh, uh, some type of change in the terms of how, how each conference is ran and how they need to communicate more with each other because right now we're seeing with at least the power five conferences we're seeing five different commissioners do five different things they're all relying on different people different medical experts to be able to tell them exactly what you know what's the best plan moving forward we're seeing you know the big 12 the day after the big 10 cancels comes out with their schedule and says this is the way we're doing it we have two buys so each team can have recuperation time things like that there's just so much uncertainty within where each group is going to go that I think there has to be some type of committee or 
association that is able to handle the, the a situation like right. this in the future to be able to say, okay, let's draw all of these conferences in together, not not play wise, but just just collective as you know making decisions because as we continue to get closer and closer to college football season, the more we start seeing how divided college football is, and right. it kind of reminds me. I don't really want to get like political, but it reminds me of our political spectrum right now of how just divided yeah. everything is. Every you know, there's people that are you know super Republican, people super Democrat, and no one wants to listen to each other. And yeah. so I think while that's a big problem in America, that's a big problem in what's going on in college football right now. Right, and honestly, like, uh, uh, obviously you have like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields tweeting this hashtag "We want to play" and stuff like that, and then you kind of press on the tweet and you read the comments and. It's just crazy at this point how when someone hears the word COVID or hears the thought of getting life back on its feet during COVID, it seems like their first instinct is to just absolutely shame another person for wanting to get life back on its feet during yeah. COVID. And I see a bunch of it in the Fields and Lawrence comments. I like There are people calling Justin Fields an idiot for saying he wants to go play. Like There's nothing idiotic about it. If he wants to play, he should be able to play but i certainly agree it's it's a little off topic there but so there are just a couple things that make it difficult for college to play and at the end of the day college football can't really bubble no you know it's not like the nba i personally don't think the nfl can bubble either i think i just i don't they could but it's just in terms of a football field gets so torn up and you know you're using three facilities you you better be paying those uh field crews like 100k a game to make sure those three feel yeah but once again other other conversation it's just there are some things that make college football so difficult to happen but in terms of the conferences unionizing and kind of coming together as one i agree with that i don't like the fact that we might potentially see a college football season without the big 10 in the pac-12 i think they all need to be on board or they all need to be off board because there's just no other way that makes sense i mean how does it make sense to have the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 play in the fall and compete for a national championship? And then you're going to have the Big 10 and Pac-12 come out in the spring. What are they going to compete for? At that point, it's just going to be about exposure for the draft. But, and that, but if, you play in the spring, if you play in the spring, now all of a sudden those athletes miss out on going to the combine, competing yeah. in pro days, you know, stuff like that. I just don't see – and you said you wanted to get into it, so – I'm sure you'll have some things to add, but I guess we can kind of use that as a bridge. I just don't really see spring football working. I, you know, at first when I thought about spring football, I was like, I mean, if it's if it's a hundred percent, all teams decide they want to move to the spring. It was it would be possible. Would it be the same product that we've seen be put on the field for years if, up until this point? No, it would not, because we'd see you know different players not participate in things like that. But with the spring being only two conferences, like you said, with the Pac-12 and Big Ten, there is no reason for a guy like Justin Fields, who is a lock for at least a top five pick in this upcoming NFL draft, to even step foot on the college football field to participate. Because if he does and he gets hurt, his draft stock will drop and it'll drop and we'll see... We'll see that decision be regretted for you know the rest of time, and there'll be so much controversy surrounding. Was this a better decision to move from the fall, which they're moving from the fall because it is a 
it is a quote-unquote hazard for players to play, you know, their health and everything. They're moving it to the spring in which they're going to have two seasons in one year. Because they wouldn't, yeah. if they move to the spring, they're still going to play the next fall. They're still going to play 2021 fall. So we're going to see, you know, not only a guy like Justin Fields come out and possibly risk injury if he decides to suit up, but we're going to see players entering, you know, their, let's say, entering their junior, let's, their, in sophomore year in the spring, and then they go to the junior year in the fall. How is that protecting them when they're having to play basically two seasons in right. one year? It's yeah. I just don't see how they can they can justify player safety by saying we're going to move and play two seasons in one year. When yeah. yes, it's it's a different type of safety, but at the same time, do you realize how much work would have to go into that and the strength and conditioning yeah. staffs, how top tier they would have to be to be able to make that work? I just don't think it's plausible for that for that to happen especially if it's only two conferences playing right i mean there might be those those will be the only two power five conferences i'm sure there yeah, will yeah, be yeah. Some of those group of fives but yeah uh point still stands i i uh you know i i sent you a little thought that i had put together and it's still something that i just think i think it needs to be up to the programs you know i think that would make the most sense because the big like you know maybe not every big 10 program wants to play but the ones that do should not be denied from playing in the fall because we know there are Big Ten programs that want to play. Jim Harbaugh released a whole like medical stat sheet, and it include basically it included like his claim, and he's like, "I'm not advocating for football because I want to see football play." I don't remember the exact words he used, but he said like, "I'm advocating for football because of these reasons right here." And then it's like, out of the 893 associates of the Michigan football program only 11 tested positive out of, you know, this many players, only this many tested positive. And you look right there and you're saying, wow, well, this isn't really bad at all. And it's says like, there's no, there's no traces of the virus being found in the weight room, the facilities. And it's like, okay, well, Michigan looks like they got their stuff together. Why won't we let them go out and play? Yeah. Uh, so I like, it, it just makes in a situation like this, it makes so much more sense to me to leave it up to the programs. And then from there, you know, you set an opt-in, opt-out deadline. And, you know, you'll probably see some of these group of five programs opt out. Like I know the Mountain West doesn't want to play and stuff like that. So we'll probably see some of that. Maybe even some power fives where, you know, we're not sure. It would be something that has to play out. But then the NCAA takes it from there. So you know, say they set it for next Thursday and by next Thursday, how many F how, how many FBS D1 programs are there? Like 130? Something like that. So, somewhere around there. So yeah. say like by next Thursday, 60 of the 130 opt in to play the season. Hmm. And then you can, you can regionalize and put them into divisions based on that and play your season from there. It, it's not something that we are looking to be the long-term solution to this divide in college football. But in terms of this season, it's something that could work. It's just a matter of how close are we to the season to do that. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's something that could work, but it's just something I thought of that I thought was interesting. Absolutely. And you mentioned how there's teams in the you know the Big Ten that want to play. Nebraska has been very adamant about playing this right. season. Scott Frost has been trying to get that done, but you know, to no avail. Michigan as well. Even some Ohio State players, obviously, afterward were like, can we go play in the SEC? 
And yeah. so there's just questions surround. And one thing about that, Ohio State players going to play in the SEC, it said that no matter who they played, they were a 10-point favorite if they were to go in the SEC. And I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, okay. But at um, everyone? At, against everyone. Not one team was a below a 10-point. Ohio State was a 10-point favorite on every single opponent in the SEC. And I was like, 10 points? That's kind of ridiculous. But Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see them in there. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, there are definitely teams they would mop the floor with. Absolutely, Vanderbilt. Tennessee, yeah, Vanderbilt, Tennessee. They'd probably Arkansas handle Arkansas and Kentucky. Uh, the four teams that kind of make, or I guess I would throw Auburn in here, but I, I don't. I think it would be foolish to favor anyone by ten plus points over like UF or Georgia or Bama. Exactly. Or LSU. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know, but you know, if Ohio, if Ohio State does. They're they're also worthy of receiving that that uh that spread though because yeah, they, yeah. they've proved year in and year out that they could be yeah. the best of the best. No, but they having are. to play SEC week after week after week in that hot weather that Ohio State might not necessarily be used to, uh, that might be a bit of a stretch. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I just I, I don't have a problem with them being favored to win, just ten points really. But yeah, anyways, that's kind of off topic. But yeah, there's there's schools you know, that are wanting to play. There's players that are wanting to play and they're kind of being deprived of that because of the, you know, Big Ten commissioner. And I think it's not fair when, you know, the Big 12 is going about their plans, the SEC is going about their plans, and the ACC is also going about their plans. So it's just a big, big miscommunication, mumbo-jumbo going on in the NCAA right now. So I just think, I think at the very least, they need to just try. They yeah. need to try. They need to try football in the fall, and see how it goes. And Absolutely. you know, if you know whatever has to be done from there, will be done. But you know, the NFL is going to try, and you know, we we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the NFL, even if they make it one week through the season. But I also think that you have the all these MLB players getting sick, and they're continuing to play, and that season looks like it's not going anywhere. I, you know, I feel like the NFL has got a pretty good shot of, you know, making it to the finish line. Um, but once again, it's going it, to, it's really, we know basketball and hockey are going to make it because the bubble system has worked perfectly. Yeah. Um, if baseball can get through, I have a pretty good feeling that the NFL can get through. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a matter of uh, w- what COVID looks like, what impact COVID has on some of these teams. It's just, there's so much going on right now who knows we still have a month until the season starts anyways where a lot of things can change cases could go up cases could go down you know it's crazy but uh i just want some football to be played in the fall absolutely i think, I think we can all i think we could all use a little football right now definitely definitely uh speaking of nfl football it's i think it's time to get into our nfc east divisional yeah. previews we've uh, kind of wrapped up that we want to play and our thoughts on a possible spring season. But the NFC East is a, it is, it is definitely going to be a top heavy group. In my opinion, you yeah. can you say the same. I could, I think, uh, I, I think it's pretty given that Dallas and Philly are going to be the heavy hitters in that division, but Washington, the Washington football team and the New York giants definitely, 
are starting to put some pieces in place and look like they're going to start taking some of those steps forward. I know when we did our AFC West show, we talked a lot about how there's a lot of teams in the NFL who are starting to form. You can kind of tell that they're starting to morph into uh, their goals of what they want their teams to look like, but they're just not there yet. Uh, And I think the Redskins and Giants are two more teams that fall into that category. Obviously we saw the Giants with Eli Manning and, Odell Beckham in a good defense go to the playoffs in 2016 and the Packers blew him out of Lambeau after they partied on the boat. <laughs> uh, they have some high expectations for 2017 and it's kind of just all gone downhill since then. But, uh, you know, they brought in uh, Jones last off season. Uh, they made some pretty good moves over the off season. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to see what direction the giants will take this year. And like I said, the Redskins, they brought in Ron Rivera, Dwayne Haskins is going to come into year two. Um, Terry McLaurin's going to come into year two. So I think those are the two teams we should get into first and kind of talk about uh, while they might not be good this year, uh, what the expectations should be, A, for some of those young guys this year and the team expectations as a whole for the upcoming season. So uh, whether we want to do the football team or the Giants, it doesn't matter to me, but I think I think either of those franchises would be a good place to start. Yeah, I'm looking at the Washington football team schedule right now, and, um, you know, what they've been able to do with bringing in Ron Rivera I think is going to be huge for their franchise. You know, Ron Rivera is a guy that came into Carolina and really took over. He has He's nothing short of being a leader that can lead – well, obviously, he can lead teams to success, and – we saw that in Carolina with him being able to have a solid quarterback in Cam Newton and take that team, a very talented offensive skill set team, to the Super Bowl in 2015 before they lost to the Denver Broncos. Yeah. But we're going to see the Redskins coming to what is going to be year one for Ron Rivera with a rather daunting schedule at the beginning of the season. Beginning and end, to be honest. They they have a few games in the middle, but other than that, it's going to be a rather difficult season for this Washington football team. They start out week one at home against Philadelphia, who I believe to be a team that is going to be pretty solid this season, but we'll get okay. into that in just a little bit. So they start out September 13th against Philadelphia, and I think we can chalk that one down as a loss. It's just going to be too early for without a preseason. We're not going to be able to see, right. you know, Washington really be able to get in that groove. Um, not that they would be able to anyway, but we're not going to be able to see them have any experience within how this, you know, Ron Bear is not going to have any on co- on-field coaching experience with this team. So it's going to be a, look a bit different um, week one. So I think that's going to be a feeling out period right. and the Eagles can probably take care of that one. Then they travel to Glendale, Arizona, where they'll face off against the Arizona Cardinals. And I think uh, the Cardinals are just too talented to be able to lose this game. You know, they have Kyler Murray, who showed last year that he can improvise and get the ball out whenever he, um, you know, whenever he pleases. Um, he They just brought in DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be huge for them um, at the wide receiver position. They have Kenyon Drake in the backfield. Um, they have Larry Fitzgerald on the opposite side of – DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, just guys surrounding Kyler Murray that can really make plays and they can really be something special this season. Um, I don't, I don't that uh, NFC West is going to be a hefty, hefty division. We kind of talked a bit about their wide receiver groups um, on Twitter, which we're we're gonna get into next episode um, with a tier list of wide receiver groups. Make sure to um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, 
But I think Arizona Cardinals, uh, I think that they'll take care of this one. I, I, I really do, just because Washington, with their, you know, they have Dwayne Haskins, who's, he's solid, but does he have the pieces around him other than Terry McLaren and the offensive line uh, is has questions around? I don't know. Um, it's going to be different to see him going out and making decisions week two in a new system and you know still being rather new to the NFL and not really getting a year to develop like I I think is so important for these new NFL quarterbacks um especially on Dwayne Haskins for a second I think he looked I think he showed signs of improvement down the stretch of the season but you mentioned uh the receiver core outside of McLaurin is lacking um you know they brought in Richard Rodgers so that's he's always been a you know a pretty reliable tight end target at the very least you know he's not a world beater by any means he's not your Kelsey or Ertz or Kittle but you know he's 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 solid and Aaron I feel like Aaron Rodgers definitely showed or you know relied on him in Green Bay multiple times so that should be a solid tight end piece to have a a veteran there um you know but like I said the weapons are lacking old man Adrian Peterson is your running back Darius Geis got cut and this O-line really is bottom of the barrel in the league outside of Brandon Sheriff. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like where games are lost this year is their offense just isn't going to be able to keep up. I mean, when your first four games are Philly, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Rams, who are all pretty – even the Giants uh, should show signs of improvement on offense this year. And then you go Dallas. Uh, I just don't really see where Washington's offense is able to keep up with any of these teams. I don't see um, them winning we, at one game before they're by. I see them being yeah, defeated before I was, by. I was looking at that Giants game thinking they could win there, but I was definitely going to chime in at some point and say that I see these first five games being a loss for sure. Uh, whether they start one and six or oh and seven, it's, it's not going to be a pretty start for this team at all. And it stinks because I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily feel like this is a bad team. It's an improving team. It's just they're very they're they're just still way too early in the improvement process to go out and really turn any heads this season. And uh, you mentioned that the schedule is just so daunting. So absolutely. And then after their bye, uh, you know, I have them at zero and seven. They go and they play the Giants again. So they play the Giants really twice in what two game weeks, three weeks really. Um, Pretty much, and, they and go Giants, Cowboys, bye, and then Giants. Giants again, so yeah, you know? so two weeks. Yeah, it's so it's gonna be, you know, it's it's difficult to beat a team twice in a season. It's difficult to beat a team two times in this short span. And so I'll right. I think I can give the Redskins a win after their bye. They'll really be. Um, I think it'll be different. They'll be able to get the Giants at home, and they'll be able to um, put something together if they don't beat the Giants the first time. Um, I think that the Giants are also a team that they have some pieces around them, around Daniel Jones, but they're still a year or two out from being anything close to mediocre. They're still bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and then they go Detroit, Cincy. I don't think they beat Detroit. There's potential for a win over Cincy there. Um, then Dallas, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle. I mean, I, they close I out the seat. They, they, I feel so bad that Washington has to go through that stretch. Yeah. That's going to be brutal, and they're probably going to lose all four of those games by double digits. Yeah. Uh, and then Carolina could be a win. I don't really have high expectations at all for Carolina this year. There's potential for three wins at most on this schedule. That's what I was going to say. I was thinking they're going to be three and thirteen, two and fourteen, and that's right. they have to beat. 
They have to put something together with that Giants Lions Bengals trio right there. If they don't, right. if that that is their best opportunity to win their football games, and if they don't do that, it could be a, another, you know, year of despair for Washington right. fans. Right, but then uh, you also set yourself up with a pretty good draft pick, and yeah, uh, there are opportunities from there. So, like I said, it's still it's still a rebuilding phase for the Redskins. So, you know, it's not. It's nothing against them if they aren't good this year. That's just the current state of their franchise. I mean, for crying out loud, they're called the football team. I feel like we, ha- I feel like we've been calling them the Redskins, but um, they're technically the football team. The football team is going to go three and thirteen this year, yeah. and hopefully, they will have a good draft pick that they can take advantage of and a new team name come the twenty twenty one season. Absolutely, um, um, and we touched on the importance of tight ends, and you know this this year's NFL, this era of NFL. And one tight end that just got the bag is George yes. Kittle of the San George Francisco Kittle. 49ers. Five-year... Five year, 75 million. Yes, five-year, 75 million dollar extension. Absolutely. He's now the highest-paid tight end in NFL history. And um, he's actually... They did a... What? I said, I'm happy. I think he deserves it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I was going to say, uh, they did a little um, just kind of comparison. If he was a wide receiver, he'd be the 12th high, highest paid receiver right now, which is huge for the tight end position. Oh, wow. So just behind Jarvis Landry. All right. So where do you, just a little off topic, where do you rank Kittle? Would you pay Would you pay Kelsey more money than what Kittle's making? Or No, because I think uh, Kittle's you, more physical at the line of scrimmage. He's more of a complete guy, and he yeah. can also catch the football. So I think Kittle's the number one tight end in the NFL right now. I agree. I agree with you. I think I think Kittle's the best tight end in football. I was talking to a friend this morning, and I kind of – I compared Kittle to a guy that we know, know, uh, we know very dearly here in Jacksonville – by the name of, and it's going to be a weird comparison, but you got to hear me out. Um, in terms of personality, I kind of get some Blake Bortles vibes from George Kittle. <laughs> you know, Blake Bortles is just that really chill guy. Like, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? And he's like, oh, I usually just piss and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I, I kind of get, like, that's the kind of guy that George Kittle strikes me as just from seeing, kind of just seeing some of those locker room uh, post game videos and him having a good time. I think it's good that San Francisco was able to lock that guy down because and also now to give him a tight end comparison he, he looks like he's having about as much fun on the field as Gronk was you know when Gronk was hitting his stride in those 2014 2015 uh you know 2016 seasons and stuff like that when the Patriots were just uh you know Brady was throwing 35 touchdowns a season and whatnot and um you know Brady and Garoppolo are QBs who are very similar in the way they kind of like to play the game um, obviously Garoppolo is no Brady by any means yet, but you, you can kind of see the similarities there. And the biggest similarity is it seems like they're both pretty fond of a dominant tight end. So I think it's really good that, that San Francisco did that, not just for the sake of their team, but for the, for the sake of their quarterback, will have a reliable security blanket for the next five years. Absolutely. So I think, I think that's a great move there, but anyways, so do we have anything else to touch on, on the Redskins? We both, feeling three and 13. I think this defense is going to be a bit better than people will give them credit for. I think they have some good pieces here. They brought in Ronald Darby, Kendall Fuller, uh, you know, Landon Collins is a pretty good, strong safety. Uh, They brought in Thomas Davis, who's aging. And then obviously Chase Young, 
the rookie. The expectations for him are through the roof. Um, They're nothing shy of star power on the defensive side of the football. But where they lose their games is is offensively. Right. They're going to score like 18 points a game this year. Maybe. It's going to be tough for them. Now, if if Haskins shows he is a legitimate playmaker in this league and uh, can extend plays and kind of, you know, use improv improv to kind of make something out of nothing with this offense, then that could help the Redskins. But once again, this offensive line is just not good enough to hold Haskins up the way it needs to. And it's, it's going to be a struggle. So, uh, but it's also, you know, it's a given at the same time that the Redskins aren't ready to take that step this year. So three and 13, two and 14 for the Redskins, something around that. For sure. Uh, They will be bottom of the barrel in the league. And obviously, bottom of the barrel in the NFC East. So are we ready to get into the Big Apple? Um, I want to talk. I want to touch on Dwayne Haskins real quick, okay. just what we had again. He is, um, I think Dwayne Haskins is still one of the better, uh, you know, young quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just a fact of the matter that he is a pocket passer. He's a guy that he's, he, you know, as he can use his legs. Uh, we saw that a bit last year after Stephen A. Smith said that he was a running quarterback at Ohio State when uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't total over 30 yards rushing the football. Um, Dwayne Haskins is a guy that wants to stand in the pocket. He wants to stand tall, and he wants to fire passes over the middle of the field with just an incredibly strong arm. And he can't do that with Washington's offensive line. So we're going to have to see a lot of quick passes. We're going to have to see a lot of, you know, drag slant techniques with a a guy like Terry McLaurin or, you know, uh, their tight end and anything like that. We're going to really have to dial in they're they're gonna have to dial in and be like okay we don't have the we don't have the means to be able to go deep to be able to hit those home run plays we have to really stay focused on being able to hit that intermediate you know the seven to ten yards and be able to continuously move the football so I think this Washington team while they might not be able to see much offense offensive success this season when they have it, it's going to be they're hitting those short chunk plays that we've seen New, New England thrive off of for years. Right. Um, and so that's really going to be the key to this Washington team. If they can hit those 7 to 10 yard you know, plays and then balance it out with Adrian Peterson, maybe open up some play action to where they can get a bit more down the field, then they'll be able to put up more than that 17, 18 mark that we're you know, favoring them as for um, as how much they score this season per right. game. Per game. So uh, that's going to be – in the games they play Cincy and Detroit and New York, I think we might see a bit more of a play-action type scheme where Adrian Peterson is getting the carries and opening up for the passes down the field. We're going to see some quick passes. And um, we're also going to see my guy Riverboat Ron be able to do some things that uh, normally NFL, NFL coaches wouldn't do because it would cost them their job. Right. So. Yeah, they'll definitely be a, a team – keep an eye on i didn't get to watch a whole lot of Dwayne haskins in his rookie season so i want to see him more this year i liked watching him at ohio state i hope he's a guy that can succeed um it's just it's not it's not going to be this year um you know all we can hope for especially if you are a football team fan that uh he just he takes some steps forward and you know maybe it might not be this year or even next year but um eventually they'll start bringing in some more pieces, improving that offensive line, um, you know, maybe take the youth route at the running back position again because uh, Peterson's running out of time. And, you know, eventually they can just build their offense up from there. But uh, for now, uh, I hope they enjoy 
just just a few wins because that's yeah. all it's going to be. So. And, it, and it's truly unfortunate that they had to get rid of Darius Geis. I, I agree with them yeah. with what they did, but Darius Geis was a guy that they could really, you know, I thought they were going to be able to build around him at the running back position, uh, you know, kind of with the veteran rookie, not rookie, but veteran younger guy, one-two punch that you have with Peterson and Geis. But, you know, with bad decisions come, you know, difficult cho- you know dis- difficult choices by the franchise and you know while it probably was it's not diff i don't want to say difficult because it's a decision that should be made no matter what if you put your hands on a woman they should shouldn't be able to play but it is a difficult decision because of the talent that he brought to that team the, the talent that you know he contained that he you know really didn't get a chance to showcase and Likely will not again. Too, he was injured, right? Yeah, he was. In, he tore his ACL or something. He didn't play his rookie his, season. His rookie year, and then last year, I think he injured himself again later on in the year. So um, he just he, never really, he never really panned out. Nope, he did that's not. probably it for him. Yes, it's unfortunate, but yeah. like you said, bad choices. Uh, you know, yeah. bad things happen because you make bad choices. So yeah. Uh, rightfully so. So uh, is that it on the? the yeah, I'm ready to move on to the to the Giants. All right, let's get into the Giants. Um, thoughts on this offseason, what they did, how uh, anything you want to touch on? Um, I really like the Joe Judge uh, hiring. New England guy, special teams coordinator. Yeah. Coming in to the culture in New York. Um, he's got some good pieces to do it with, I, I think. I saw – I was kind of looking through their um, offseason additions, and a guy I saw on there – Nate Ebner from the Patriots. Now he's he's by no means uh well in the special teams uh department, he's a great playmaker, which is why I'm kinda interested to see how Joe Judge is gonna incorporate him into that. Also, they brought in James Bradbury, who similar to what he was doing in Carolina last year, is gonna be leading what's probably gonna be a below average uh secondary in New York. So I definitely think they've brought in a couple pieces. Obviously, Andrew Thomas in the draft, this offense should be much improved compared to what it was last year. I just think this defense has some struggles and, um, you know, the culture change is going to have to come first before the winning fe- the winning team gets fielded in New York. I agree. Um, I like the addition of Colt McCoy as a backup um, yeah. for Daniel Jones. Colt McCoy has been a guy who our friend Dylan Corey has pushed as a starting quarterback since he left Texas. Um, yeah. Sorry, Dylan. I just don't agree. But uh, we need to get him on here so he can talk about that. He could talk yeah. for hours about that. But um, anyways, I just think that this Giants team offensively, they have to rely. They have to go through Saquon Barkley, and they have to be able to get Evan Ingram involved early and often right. because the thing that on this offense, obviously the offensive line struggled last season and, and really the year before that as well, um, where there's so much – there's so many question marks surrounding uh, this the, the position group is the wide receiver position. They have guys like Corey Coleman, uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, Golden Tate, veterans who really have – Yeah, Darius – guys who we've seen make plays before, but they have never really been right. – su- Golden Tate, he's been a mediocre guy throughout his career, and I think it's really going to – this group is really going to rely on the two out of Ohio State and Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack. Um, those were guys that at Ohio State were um, some of you know Justin Fields' favorite targets. Benjamin Victor is just a long, athletic receiver. He's 6'4", 199 pounds, so he's not going to be a 
a huge, you know, in terms of frame, but he's a guy that can go up and get it in, you know, red zone situations. He's taller than Evan Ingram, who's their tight end. So um, they, they have some options with speed and a mixture of speed and height, but that wide receiver position concerns me going into this season for the Giants. You think so? I think, well, Golden Tate is definitely aging. And yeah. I know, I know Sterling Shepard has had some health concerns, but I, I think – you definitely got to be pretty excited for Darius Slayton and how he can improve on his, what was a pretty solid first year in the league. I thought, Uh, I think that'll be a good piece for Daniel Jones to have. And then obviously uh, at the running back position, you brought in, you brought in Dion Lewis. So that'll be a good accompanying piece to Saquon Barkley. Now is Dion Lewis, what he used to be. He has some very good years in new England. I don't know if he's there anymore, but kind of similar, uh, you know, Kind of similar to Saquon, a good pass catcher, a good you know, just a good runner in general out in the open field. I think so. Um, you know, that, that could definitely be a very intriguing running back core. And then obviously, like I said, Andrew Thomas on the O line. Now Logan Mankins isn't playing. I don't know. I don't know if he opted out or what the situation was there. Or no, not I'm not thinking of Logan Mankins. Am I thinking of Nate Solder? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not they, sure. They lost a piece on the O line. It was one of the two. Yeah, it's Solder. Solder's not here. Um, So that's going to hurt, and obviously the offensive line is going to have to take some steps forward. I think there's going to be some growing pains for Daniel Jones. Um, He's got to improve on the fumbles. I think he threw, what, 12 picks last year? 24 touchdowns to 12 picks, I think, was his ratio. So um, it'll be interesting to see where that interception number goes. Uh, I just – I as good as – this offense can be i think the offense has a, a decently high ceiling i just think this defense is going to be what holds them back this year their linebacker core is incredibly weak even with the blake martinez signing dexter dexter lawrence is an intriguing piece up front but i think leonard williams is uh you know making a bit more than he's really worth so he'll have a lot to prove and like i said the secondary is just it's a little lacking. Jabril Peppers is just all right. I, I, don't, I just don't really feel like I've seen much from him throughout his career. That makes me think like, yeah, this guy's a legitimate safety in this league. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Xavier McKinney can do in his rookie year. But I think this this defense is what needs to come together for this Giants team to take the next step. I think the offense has pieces in place that it can be built upon, but the defense has just got to get it figured out. I agree. I was really just saying about the wide receiver position how um, I just don't see that. I don't see the guy. You know what I mean? I think every right. team needs a guy, and with what the Giants have right now, they don't have they don't have the guy that can be reliable outside of Evan Ingram, who really last year I thought was a bit um, underutilized on this Giants team. So we're just gonna have to see where those pieces fall into place. And I, but I do agree that this defense is definitely undermanned in terms of talent. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch this Giants team um, operate in, you know, on both sides of the ball. I think the offensive side of the ball will definitely have more success. It's, I think it's kind of flipped from what we said about Washington. Washington was a yeah. team with uncertainty on the offensive side where, you know, they might be able to score some points, but it's, it's going to be difficult for them to, you know, really – if they get in a shootout or anything like that, they're not going to be able to win it. This Giants team is going to have to score points to even keep themselves remotely close in some of these games that they play um, because they're playing some pretty often, some offensive powerhouses in the league this year. 
Yeah, looking at the Giants' schedule, I just, I, I think it's, a, I think, you know, similar to Washington, they just have what looks like a pretty difficult schedule. I yeah, mean, I was gonna say, talk about daunting schedules. I think this is another one that is just going to be rough. Before Pittsburgh Week One, probably a loss. Could yeah, they beat Chicago Week Two? Maybe I could see. That's I think that one's a toss up. Uh, San Francisco week three is a loss. Maybe they could pull out a win over LA in week four. I don't know. I don't really have the highest of expectations for the Rams this year. So the potential for a two and two start is there. And then you go at Dallas, you probably lose. Washington, you can win. So I, yeah, we, ch- with, we chalked that one as a schedule win. as it is. There's potential to get off to a solid start, but then you're probably going to lose at Philly and against Tampa. Maybe beat Washington. We said we, they'd the, lose to Washington again. Did so that they're gonna so, split? Yes. Right. That's what we said so, last time. Four or three and seven, or maybe four and six at best going into the bye. Uh, you know, there's definitely potential for them to to squeeze out a few games. They could beat Cincinnati, I think. But then you're in a you're not gonna beat Seattle. They're not, not beating beat Arizona. Not beating the Browns. Probably not. And then, yeah. So outside of Cincinnati, 13 through weeks 13 through 17, they, they could very easily lose out. Yes. Um, so, and what? We chalked up just like four wins going through that just now. And if you chalked that, up a win against Los Angeles, the Rams. I don't think they beat the Rams. I think I the think, Rams I take care of them. They could. I just, I don't have the highest expectations. I don't either. I don't, I don't either. Really know what that team's going to look like. Yeah. So, I don't have yeah. the highest expectations for the Rams either. But I have higher expectations for them right. than I do the Giants, if that makes sense. So, Chicago is where a win could come. Um, and really, you know, okay, I think Washington, they're... I, yeah, it's I, a tough schedule. This I, is tough. Yeah, I, I think that the Giants kind of got a very unlucky beginning of the season because yeah. they play a team in Pittsburgh who's going to beat them no matter where at, I think, in at home, Okay. Then they travel to Soldier Field, which even if it's only 25% capacity, it's still going to be rocking because Chicago is known for their fans. They're known for being that, you know, crazy fan base that, you know, their children are cussing you out when you walk onto the field. So I just don't see the Giants defense going in there and, you know, being able to like this Bears offense is not good at all, but the Bears defense is very good. So can... With, I would take Chicago's offense against New York's defense than I would take. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just. I can get behind that. So I really don't see them winning until they play Washington for the first time, and then wow. they'll beat Cincy. So they could even be worse than Wash than we chalked out. Two and fourteen, three and thirteen. I think is another realist, right. realistic, um, you know, point for this Giants team, and I think. It really relies on can they sweep Washington or will they split Washington? And if they split Washington, they could be the worst team in the NFC East. True. It could happen. I mean, I didn't realize how tough this giant schedule really was to looking at it. But yeah, this is it's just it's daunting, especially that that back stretch. I mean, I don't I don't know where New York is can even compete with Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas. That's just such a such a bizarre stretch of games to have to close out a season. I don't, and it's going to be tough for the coaching staff to figure out what the strengths and weaknesses of this team are too, because you're going up against heavy hitters week in week out. Yeah. And you know, they're probably not going to be competitive in most of these games. So um, it's just, it's really tough for the giants. It's going to be a tough first year 
for Joe Judge. But, you know, the pieces are there for this team to uh, kind of build off this year and go from there. Uh, you know, like the Redskins, they'll have another – they'll have a good draft pick. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of what they do with that and what this team looks like going into the 2021 season. But 2020 isn't it for the Giants. It's a shame because they're – and I'm sure Redskins fans are in the same boat. There's just got, there's got to be a point where Giants fans are going to be like, we've had enough. This is awful because, like I said, I started off by talking about the 2016 season when they went 11 and five and uh, had to go into Lambeau in the playoffs. I thought the Giants were going to win that game. I thought the Giants were a very good team in 2016. And uh, like I said, they came into 2017 with the highest of expectations. People were thinking maybe another Patriots Giants Super Bowl and the Giants underperformed. They won like two or three games i think they were absolutely terrible yeah uh and it's kind of just been that theme since then the past th- or you know the past three seasons they have haven't looked good at all so um obviously eli manning isn't there anymore they've switched uh they've switched up the qb but you know there's just so much work that needs to be done within this giants organization before they can get back to their glory days of holding up the lombardi trophy for sure I agree with you. And honestly, just to touch on one more thing, the Giants are honestly such a weird franchise because the two years they have won the Super Bowl, well, they've won, I think they've won four. But the two years that Eli won the Super Bowl. Right, the two years that Eli won the Super Bowl. It's not even like the Giants. The Giants didn't feel dominant teams, you know? I couldn't even tell you the last time the Giants have fielded a super dominant team you know because they went nine and seven and ten and six those two super yeah they were wild card teams they made it on the wild card i want to say in 2008 they went 12 and four and had a bye but i think philly beat them in the divisional round and then arizona ended up beating philly from there and going to that uh, yeah steelers incredible super bowl 43 but i I, giants just as of and especially in the past 10 years have not really fielded a dominant team and you just got to wonder when it like when are the giants gonna you know not just make a run at nine and seven in a wild card round and have to hope qb magic takes them to the super bowl uh you know when when are they gonna field a team that's able to be a world beater and go 13 and three again i you know obviously we have them going two and 14 this year so it's gonna be a long time before that happens but kind of just taking a moment to think about what the giants have done in the past and what their teams really looked like the years they won the Super Bowl, you know, you realize like, wow, it's been a minute since the Giants really had a team that from top to bottom was just complete with talent. Yeah. So uh, who knows when that will be. But so another rough season for the Giants. And we're going to start getting into, unless you got anything else to add, we're going to start getting into the beef of this division where. uh, Yes, sir. Where where the ratings are really going to come from. Absolutely. The Cowboys and Eagles. Which one do we want to get into first? I'm looking at the Dallas schedule right now. Looking at the Dallas schedule. Yes, right, I am. I um, so, with what they have lined up for the first five games, I can honestly say that four and one is def- definitely within arm's reach. They play Seattle in Week Three at CenturyLink, so it's gonna be that's gonna be a very key game. Um, I think they lose that one. I do too. I do too, which is that's why that's the one. But I do think that's going to be a key game for them right. um, throughout this season. If they if they can win that one, there's really no reason they don't make the playoffs. But right. um, that's going to be one that is going to be difficult. One thing I do see there is that I think uh, you know with what Seattle brings out at the defensive back position that um, 
Dak Prescott could have some mismatches over the top with guys like Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb coming in to play the wide receiver position. But other than that, I just, and you know, and having time considering Seattle just does not have a, you know, they don't have an edge rusher. So um, right. it, it could be a pretty offensive, you know, high-powered offensive game. Um, I, I just don't see Dallas being able to win against Seattle. Um, you know, because Seattle is a team that they – you know, they have a talented roster and they're always one of the top teams in that NFC region. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, so four and one through the first five games, they go and they'll play. So you think they beat Cleveland? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you think they do? Um, I, I feel like when we talked about that game, when we did the AFC North, we kind of marked it down as a toss up, but I think it is a toss up, but I do. Th- I, I, I could see Dallas winning. I, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I I'll agree with you on that one. And I'm one of the I'm one of the biggest Browns believers that there is. Right. I think the Browns are going to be a very solid team. Um, I'm pretty sure I had them coming in second in that. We had them at like ten and six. Or, yeah, something. But we some, have the Steelers up there too. The AF the AFC North in general is just gonna. They could send three teams to the playoffs in 2020. I think. Yeah. So, so. um. Yeah, for sure. But. They'll go and play, or they'll stay at home and play Arizona um, right after that five-week stretch. And um, I honestly think that's going to be a better game than many people will make it out to be. Um, it's going to be a Monday night game. And so will Dallas be able to get a victory against Arizona? I think that's more of a toss-up, don't you? That that could be one of those games where you you think Dallas is going to win. And I, I, that could be one of those typical Dallas chokes on primetime games, you know. And it could even be more. It could even be by more than a, a touchdown. It could be one of those games where, that could be one of those statement games for the Cardinals and one of those oh classic Cowboys choking games. Yeah, um, I could I could definitely see that. Uh, that's an interesting game. Did you? So you said you got the Cardinals or? Um, I I said it was a toss up. Um, so yeah. for it's a toss up for sure. So at this point they'll be four and one. I think depending on where Arizona's at in their season, I part of me wants to take Arizona. I do too. Game, I want to take Arizona, but since I just don't know how Dallas. I think Dallas wins the you know four out of the first five games, but it really depends on how Dallas wins those games because Dallas is a team that every year they come in with one of the best rosters in football for the most part, one of the best offensive lines, and they continue right. to be mediocre. So is this a game right. that they drop that they shouldn't? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but like I said, when you're when you're a team like Arizona, you're gonna have to have that statement game early in the season. And now I haven't really looked at Arizona's schedule yet, but that could be that game for Arizona. So it really just depends on where both those teams are. But I don't, you know, I think Arizona matches up with with Dallas pretty well. I think Arizona will match up with most teams' defenses pretty well this year. You got an elusive quarterback and. Uh, two of the best wide receivers in the game, plus uh, some other good options like such as Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. So I think the Cardinals are just loaded with talent, but uh, you know, so is Dallas at the wide receiver position, and uh, Dallas probably beats them at the running back position. So a lot of points will probably be scored here. It's a tough game to pick. I think for now, um, I'm going to mark down the Cardinals just because – the Cowboys are going to have to have that early season choke somewhere. In yeah, there. yeah. Unless the Cowboys are here to prove this year that that's not what this program is about anymore. But 
Uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Arizona for now. I the other thing is a five and one start for Dallas just doesn't sit right with me. I yeah, it, it doesn't. <laughs> I, don't I just don't feel yeah. So whether, I don't know what whether they like lose to Cleveland, Cleveland instead and beat Arizona or something. I just I don't see a five and one start. I yeah. but I'll mark down that Arizona game as a loss, and then they can beat Washington. Um, Philly, Philly, I think. Will be, I think that they'll lose to Philly the first time, but I do think they split the yeah, season series with Philly. Philly. Yeah. So they're so five and so they're five and three at this point. I think uh, they Pittsburgh, lose to that's Pittsburgh. That's going to be it. Lose. Yes. Okay, I can agree with that. So five and four going into the bye, right about where you think they would be. Yeah. Uh, and then Minnesota come. Ooh, see, honestly, Minnesota I think they lose to Minnesota. Minnesota is going to I they're going to be one of my sleeper teams this year. Minnesota has it going on. You know, if they can keep Dalvin Cook healthy, they have just as good as receiver core last year even after losing Stefan right. Diggs. So I think but, we'll, we'll uh, get into that another Cowboys time. Cowboys just brought in Everson Griffin, so it'll yeah. be a battle of uh, yeah. old teammates there. Yeah. So that yeah, but I you know, I looked at it and I thought, "Ooh, you know, I don't even know if they beat Minnesota." So that could be a five, you know, they could be looking at 5 and 5 after that Minnesota game. Uh uh They'll beat Washington. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, gonna that... go ahead and say they lose to Minnesota. And then, I agree. Right, they beat Washington. Uh, lose to Baltimore. Beat Cincinnati. Beat Cincinnati. Lose to San, San Francisco is a tough game. I, they'll they'll you lose. Know, probably, I could see them beating San Francisco, especially if they have to have a win late in the season. But um, as of right now, you mark down San Francisco for yeah. a win there. Yeah. And then uh, here's then, where they get their win in the late in the season. They'll beat Philly and then they'll right. beat New York. So we got them losing to San Fran, Baltimore, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philly, Arizona, and Seattle. Was that six? six. 10 Boston? and six. 10 and six. That so, is so Dallas. That fits so yeah. well. I think that's very good. Either, they're either going to go 10 and six or eight and eight. Yep. <laughs> so one yep. of the two. I and agree. if they go eight and eight, it's because they drop a game to Cleveland and they lose to LA week one or yeah, something. Yeah, something crazy. That, that's where the eight and eight will come in. It really just depends on what kind of start they get off to. But yeah, I could see ten and six. That should pit them in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I don't know if ten and six wins the East. It just depends because we got to get in. We're about to find out if it wins the East. Or yeah, we got to get into those Eagles in a sec. But kind of just to go over this Cowboys roster real quick. Uh, you know, we talk about their wide receiver core. It's it's one of it's looking like it could be one of the better ones in the league. Obviously, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb are primed to put up numbers. Yeah. Gallup is a guy who's always been pretty solid. They got a good O line. Uh, Zeke is healthy from the coronavirus. He doesn't have it anymore. Andy Dalton's the. I'm just kidding. Dak Prescott, <laughs> the guy. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Dak doesn't play well this year and they go with Andy Dalton at some point. It just, you know, you got to see how that goes. Blake Jarwin's a pretty good tight end. So they, you know, there's no shortage of weapons for Dak to be throwing to. I, I just want to talk about Dak for a second. This is the year where Dallas makes their decision on Dak, I feel like. And it has I don't, to be. I, I don't get why they've been so hesitant to, like, to make this decision. I think Dak needs to be on a short leash this year. If the Cowboys don't get it done, Dak doesn't get paid. And I've mentioned this before. I think Dak needs to take him to the Super Bowl for Dak to get paid because I mentioned Tony Romo and how Tony Romo never got him past the divisional round. And there's just no logical reasoning for the Cowboys to drop a bag on a guy that's not going to take him any farther than Romo did. No disrespect to Romo, but 
you know, eventually, you know, the management of the Dallas Cowboys organization has got to put their foot down and be like, we're the Cowboys. We're trying to win Super Bowls. People have been making fun of us for the past two decades because we get to the division around we choke. Yeah. I agree. I and think that's the past 25 years than we do. Yeah. So it's time for Dak to get it done. It's time for the Cowboys to get it done. Uh, you look at this defense, it there's, there's no excuse for the, the Cowboys to, to not get it done this year, really. Yeah. Uh, you just read through this defense real quick. Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Dante Harry Poe, Leighton Vanderash, Jalen Smith, Sean Lee, uh, Kaha Clinton Dix. They brought in Trevon Diggs. You know, like they have a there's, squad. There are a lot of names on the defense. Everson yeah, Griffin. Everson Griffin. Yeah. He, he ha- this hasn't updated, but I did mention yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, no, I was um, just trying to. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So they're especially on that up front. They also uh, now who who knows what direction this will go in, but Alden Smith is uh, back on a roster, and we saw some pretty dominant seasons from him before everything that went down with him went down. So uh, yeah. that's another guy to keep an eye on. But yeah, no shortage of talent on the defensive side, especially. Uh, on that front seven. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm personally ready, not because I like Dallas or I'm rooting for them, but I kind of just want to see them take that next step because it just like, it's just what that franchise needs. You know, they can't afford many more years of sniffing the playoffs or, you know, sniffing the NFC championship and not getting there. You know, it's time it's time to do it. And if Dak doesn't get it done this year, they got to look into other options, I think. Yeah. But so that's all speculation. Yeah. So uh, are you done with Dallas? Yeah. You got I'll, anything? I, w- I was just going to say, we asked if 10 and 6 could win the division. I think, right. I think yes. But I you think it can. comes down to that Dallas Eagles game in week, what, 16. Right. 16 right so let's take a look at this schedule and let's see if we agree so they start out i think they start out hot okay when against washington i, think this, I was looking at the schedule three and oh i was looking at the schedule earlier i think there's a three and oh start i i know. agree i think so yeah because they play washington week one and then they go uh, you know they play against los angeles rams and then cincy and so that i think uh those are all very winnable and you know they should be just uh they should be warm-up games for what's going to be a solid game uh, against San Fran on Sunday night right. in week four. But uh, so how are we feeling about the San Fran game? Because, you know, San Fran's think, coming off. You think they're going to win? Yeah, I think San, I think, I think the Eagles start off three and zero, but then they will be three and three right after that San Fran. Pitch That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I think so they're going to win three, lose three. Then they're going to beat the giants in Dallas. So they'll go into that bye week at five and three. Yeah. Um and then they'll beat the Giants again to get the six and three. And then I think another three game losing stretch comes in. Cleveland, Seattle. Well, I, I think they could beat Green Bay, but then they're gonna drop New Orleans. So okay. what is it? They'll they're gonna be six and three, then they're gonna be six and five, seven and five. So seven and six after that New Orleans game. Then Arizona. That's a toss that's another toss up. Um it's, it, it's in Arizona. I think I could take Arizona go, so they'll be seven and seven going into that Dallas game. And, you know, if they're seven and seven and Dallas is like eight and six or, or, well, 
yeah, seven, and Dallas is like eight and six or whatever, then that that game will kind of determine where the NFC East goes. And if we pick Dallas, then that gets Dallas to nine and six, where they yeah. beat the Giants next week to go ten and six. That essentially knocks Philly out. So ten and you're right, ten and six should be good enough to win this division for Dallas. Yeah, um, I kind of had um, I, I had them a bit. Um, a bit higher going into that Dallas game. Um, I had them actually beating Arizona. Okay. Just so because they I, both be eight and six. So they would both be eight and six, which is why I think, um, you know, I think they each get wins in the last week of the season. Um, right. With the, you know, I think Dallas plays New York. They play Washington. So I think going into that last week of the season, it's really going to rely on who wins that week 16 matchup. And like you said, we had Dallas. Therefore, Dallas wins the division 10 and six. Nine and seven. It's going to be a toss up, but that game is going to be the most important game for both teams this season, in oh, my opinion. Definitely. It always comes down to that. It'll probably get flexed into Sunday night. Absolutely. It should. I'll have to look through the league schedule and see what the uh, week 16 Sunday night game is. I'm going to uh, pull that up 2020 Sunday night football schedule. I always love speculating like what games could potentially get flexed in and out of Sunday night football yeah. because they sometimes when they schedule these games, they, they fumble the bag on some of them. Uh, and I think after week five is when they're able to start flexing. So week 16 is, oh, the Titans and Packers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll get flexed. Cowboys and Eagles are getting bumped into week 16 that week. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I will bet money on that, although we don't bet. so No, we don't. We don't do find that. find some kind of way to. Gentleman's bet, where we just, yeah. you know, not at so, all. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that's actually interesting that we kind of took that turn. That'll be interesting to – we'll keep an eye on that. And then if uh, if Dallas and Philly gets flexed in. So, it, honestly, but that also depends because Tennessee is going to field a pretty good team this year i don't and think green bay i think green bay is going to be mediocre though and i think saying, just having matter. if you have tennessee in a good position and the packers are you know they're not great but they're not bad if they're in kind of like that seven and seven spot and tennessee is like 10 and four or something like that then you might keep it in there because uh, I don't think whoever wins the nfc north this year is going to be a world beater i you know I think whoever wins that division goes like 10 and six or 11 and five. So green Bay could still very realistically be in the division race at that point in the season, even if their record isn't great. And that can make it tough because at the end of the day, you don't really want to flex Aaron Rodgers out of Sunday night football, but also the NFC East on Sunday night football just seems to drive ratings through the roof. You always have like the Cowboys and giants or giants and Eagles or uh, you know, Cowboys and Eagles playing on Sunday night. It seems like at least three times a year you see that matchup yeah. on Sunday night or prime time in some kind of way. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, that's what know. I was going to say. I was going to say the opportunity to flex a Dallas team at home into a Sunday night game against a divisional opponent for the division, basically, is way too much to pass right. up for a game – Green Bay at Tennessee, you know, they're, they, they've played before, you know, they probably have had some good games in the past, but the storied rivalry of the Cowboys and right. the Eagles going at it to decide who's going to get in to that number one seed in the NFC East for the 2020 playoffs. There's no way they don't go. They don't bite the bullet on that yeah. one. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on, but also you got to factor in now. It's not, it's not, um, what's the word? It's not unheard of for a team to be on Sunday night, two weeks in a row, because, 
the Cowboys are on Sunday night in week 15 against the Niners. So if that's it's, the case, yeah, they'll, the, they'll be going. But like I said, that's not unheard of for that no. to happen. I'm trying to think. If anyone, time. if anyone can do it, it's the Cowboys. They love flexing, getting the Cowboys yeah. into prime time. The Cowboys you'll are see, just the biggest prime time team in, right. in the NFL. You'll see teams play like a Sunday night game and then a Monday the next week or yeah, yeah. something like that. You don't really see a team go back to back on Sunday night. It's definitely happened. I just can't think off the top of my head. Yeah. But or it, or you know, what they might do is you know how they normally have that those Saturday games right before right. the end of the season, that week sixteen? Yeah. Maybe they'll push that Green Bay tight Titans into that Saturday slot. Move the doubt like move Dallas and Eagles into the like the Sunday night slot as a way to keep yeah. both those primetime games. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm gonna look and see what some of those because usually when they schedule those Saturday games, uh, because those usually occur in like week 16 and yeah, maybe yeah. week 15, mm-hmm. they usually just have a couple of games they put to the side and they don't have an announced start time for it. Yeah, so gotcha. I'm pulling up, I, I just out of curiosity, I want to see what some of those games are for this year but my computer is deciding it doesn't want to load the league schedule so um might just have to revisit that after the show we can uh talk a bit about that next week if you want to just to look at yeah yeah just so tampa bay at detroit this is for week 16 tampa bay at detroit miami at vegas cleveland at new york jets san francisco at arizona and denver at the chargers are the games that don't have start times attached to them. Gotcha. So, yeah, there's obviously going to be a lot of stuff going on there in terms of – I think there will be some maneuvering um, of games. we we'll Moved around and stuff. And then I want to say Week 15 also has some games. Yes, they do. Um, Buffalo at Denver, Carolina at Green Bay, Detroit at Tennessee, Houston at Indy, and the Jets at the Rams all don't have start times attached. So that will be something – uh, it's always interesting, but that also looking at it, those are more Saturday games than I feel like they ever usually go with. Yeah. So, uh, just something to keep an eye on. I always like looking at the schedules and yeah. kind of mixing and matching and stuff. So, um, so what we got Philly going nine and nine, seven, nine and seven. Nine, seven. Yeah. And then Dallas yeah, and rounding out at 10 and six. Right. Yep. So that, so that's interesting. Cause that, that's going to be a disappointing year for Philly. But it's also um, a year that they can squeeze squeeze into that seven seed, depending yeah. on how other teams perform. So, right. is it disappointing in terms of record? Yes. Is it disappointing in not getting into the playoffs? That's up to you know how the rest of the NFC plays out. It's it also the biggest factor, obviously, is can Carson Wentz stay healthy? Absolutely. Um, and what can Jalen Hurts do if he's called in to play? That's yeah. something. That, that's something I'm keeping an eye out. If uh, yeah. If Wentz goes down, I'm definitely going to be catching the Eagles game when Jalen Hurts is starting because that's a guy I kind of want to see what he can do in the NFL because there were talks about him going to New England and then Philly kind of swooped in and got him out of nowhere. So I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting. And then obviously this defense is still looking pretty good. So they'll be competitive in a lot of games. I just – you know, it's a good thing they won their Super Bowl in 2017 because I feel like that was their window. Yeah, that was the year they had to do it, and they did it. Yeah, so 
Um, um, one thing I do want to point out is that, you know, they still are lacking at the wide receiver position. You know, they have guys right. like Greg Ward and Deshaun Jackson, you know, even Alshon Jeffrey, who's currently on the physically unable to perform list. Right. It's the um, health of these guys, too. Exactly. Right. But the guy that I think it really relies upon is Jalen Rieger. I think right. he, you know, the rookie out of TCU, if he can get, you know, get going in terms of them getting him the ball, he's an explosive playmaker that can really be reliable in certain situations for this Eagles team. Um, and he's really going to be the guy that if they do get into the playoffs, I think he is going to have a major part in having a pretty, pretty solid rookie season. I agree with that. And then a guy, so, obviously like Miles Sanders at the running back position, sharing and time Scott was and solid. Corey Clement. Right. He was hurt last season, but yeah. he was solid before then. And then so Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard at tight end. Yeah. They got they, they got have weapons. some they have weapons, but it's really about the wide receiver position that's still the question marks. And then on the opposite side, it's still in a you know, the defensive back territory is still up in the air. Um, Jalen Mills is now at safety, so that I think that'll help them a bit on the back end, but um, can a guy like is Razul Douglas really step up and Things like that. There's just so many. There's a lot of question marks. Um, well, they brought in Darius Slay. That should help. Yeah, out. Darius Slay will help a lot. But, you know, you need – wait. Is Rizul, yeah, Rizul Douglas is still there. So, um, who's going to be that number two alongside, right. um, you know, Darius Slay? Is it going to be the 5'9", Avante Maddox? Or is it going to be, you know, 6'2", Rizul Douglas? Some, you know, it, it, there's going to – Nicole. they got Nicole Roby Coleman – Right. Wrote, so he'll be a big slot guy. So that p- bumps out Maddox from the slot position unless they run dime or anything like that. So, yeah, I think uh, this Eagles team, while there are question marks, they do have they do have talent to be able to um, get to that point. But like me and you were talking about last night about New England, there's a lot of ifs. And if the ifs yeah. pan out, they're going to be solid. But if they don't, then obviously could be another difficult stretch for Eagles, the Eagles, I should say. So we got the Cowboys taking the NFC East this year. And we are just as, because we started our NFC East previews today, it means our projected NFC predicted playoff picture is only just starting to form, but you can count Dallas in. They are going to be 10 and they're going to win the NFC East. We are not sure how Philly's nine and seven record is going to fit in yet. We still got some more NFC teams to predict, uh, but this is a start. We got the Cowboys making the playoffs in 2020. Let's see if Dak and Jerry's world can do something. Uh, you know, obviously we don't know who they could potentially be going up yet against. That will be figured out as we figure out what uh, we think some of these teams' records will be as we go on. But that's what we got for the NFC East today. It should be. It's going to be a tale of, you know, uh, good teams and bad teams, really. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have Dallas Top. and Philly who are going to do what they usually do, be competitive, and you're going to have the uh, Giants and Redskins who could potentially be two of the worst records in the NFL. So It's the football um, team, Matt, the Washington football team. The Washington football Get team. Get it together. Uh, it's, going to take, it's going to take a while to, <laughs> to get that right. I Honestly, I've just been calling them the Redskins. I know it, it might not be – acceptable anymore but I, I feel like we should be given like uh you know like a three a, gra- month, a like grace period grace period where if we do say redskins it's only because like that's we're what just we're used to saying it because we've been saying it for the past however long we've been alive for 19 it, so. years <laughs> exactly i know i've been saying redskins for 19 years now you expect me to call them yeah you expect me to remember that 
We'll yeah. see. I do like their helmets though with the numbers. Yeah, their like, helmets are really nice. I think I don't know. Is, are their uniforms really going to look that much different though? Not really. Gonna, like, they just they just have the Washington. Scheme yeah, they just have Washington across so, the top instead of uh, Redskins. Yeah. So hopefully, when that name change actually comes out, it'll be it'll be worth the wait. I'm. Yeah. I, I think we talked about this before. I think the Red Tails will be cool, and so would the Red Wolves. But yeah, I think knows. um what they one thing they do need to do is they need to keep their helmets no matter what they do. They don't need to put the logo on it because I like the numbered helmets. I think it's. A nice throwback to you know yeah. old but, you know yeah. some the I older days that. so i think that'd be I a agree. nice touch on a modern take so i could i could yeah. i because I, I was thinking that like i'm because alabama does numbered helmets yeah and i i really like that they do that i've i've always liked that and does penn state do it too i think they do sometimes but for the most part they just rock with no they go with the all white yeah, but I, I want to say they've done numbers on that. Probably, yeah, yeah. They're just known for I that like all white with the. I think they but, have the stripe on the in the middle. I really like. I really like how Bama does it. So I, I yeah. like that that's being incorporated into the NFL. Also, if we're talking helmets, I don't know how many people notice this, but and it's something I've noticed for a while, and I, I like that this team does this. The Steelers only have their logo on, on one, one side. Of yeah. The helmet. You and know I don't that? know why, but I've always just liked that they do that. I don't yeah, know why no, they I do love it. it. I don't know what the reasoning for it is, but I have no problems with it. Yeah, I um, like it a lot. Yeah, so I don't know, just a little uh, discussion there. So are we good with our NFC East preview? Got anything you want to add on any of these teams? Cause... No, I think I think we're good. The one thing I do want to say is that um, when we finish our you know predictions for the season – oh, we have a caller. When we finish our predictions for the season, um, we will – Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this off real quick. One right. second. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, I you know the phone just started ringing, so I had to get that turned off real quick. But one thing I do want to do at the when we finish everything here is I want to go back through and give a bit of a better pick playoff picture of the teams that we have right. you know uh, so go through one through you know seven seeds for each conference um lay out who has the buy obviously it's going to be baltimore and the afc um but you know we're just going to have to go through that we'll go back listen to what we said and everything have our you know schedules well our records panned out and everything put the pieces together and uh Maybe from there we can kind of decide how we want to go about maybe predicting our playoffs and then, you know, revisiting it whenever that time comes later on in the season, you know, around right. January. Because as of right now, we've got the Ravens. Uh, we picked the Colts to pick the AFC South. So we got the Ravens, Colts, uh, Bills, and I'm blanking on the last division here, the AFC South. Oh wait, South. no, Colts. Colts. It's the Colts, um, Ravens, Bills, and um, Chiefs. The AFC West. Chiefs. Okay, so those are our four division winners, and then we can add the Cowboys in the NFC East. So those are five teams definitely that you can mark into a playoff picture. It's just a matter of figuring out those other three seeds, especially in the AFC. I think we know for sure the Broncos are going to be one of them. Uh, the Titans will probably be one of them. Yeah. Who's well, we, get that we, seven, can, 
we can figure it all out when it's time. Um, right. Lay it out in a yeah. We'll lay it out in a better light. Um, be right. able to actually, you know, I might even write down a little bracket and post it on our Twitter page just to. That's um, I love filling out brackets. So. Yeah, so it'll definitely be uh, definitely be something we can do. But um, but before we get off today, Matt, I want to ask you what's the best thing that you saw either today, this week, in your lifetime? What is it? Well, the Mets won last night. That is uh, very. They're, that is still, a... they're still in the midst of a disappointing season. Uh, I've I've finally been getting to watch a bit more of the NBA. I was watching a little bit of the Sixers and Raptors last night. I saw the Nuggets and Jazz over the weekend, which was a great game uh, that went into like two overtimes or something. And Donovan Mitchell made some big shots down the stretch. So, um, you know, just. Uh, I've been pretty busy and haven't been able to watch the return, the excuse me, the return of sports as much as I'd like to, but I feel like I'm, you know, especially with having my first week free at Amazon and not having to work there, I've had some time to just sit down and kind of watch some sports and stuff, and it's been good to kind of have that feeling back. And so, yeah, just uh, you know, hopefully the Mets can keep winning. Hopefully, uh, we're gonna get into an NBA preview show, but hopefully the NBA just keeps doing what it's doing because I've been loving it. Uh, I feel like all those games have been very good. Uh, there's been some great storylines. The Suns are seven and zero, uh, and Damian Lillard drops playing out of his mind after him and Skip Bayless had a huge feud, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that's who um, I was gonna touch on for my biggest thing yeah. I saw. You know, best so thing I saw, whatever take it over it's just, just yeah for me it's just being able to finally sit down and watch some sports yeah it's you know damian lillard came out the other night and put on a show to be able to take over that reign of the eight seed within the, the you know the western conference of the nba and you know dropping 61 points is something that is very rare to happen in the nba and it's something that he did just on the heels of beefing with a guy like Skip Bayless and then Paul George and Patrick Beverly, he's been putting on a show ever since he's, you know, really gotten into the bubble. And that's this Blazers team is a team that, you know, watch out for them. They might be the eight seed, but they are clicking on all, you know, in all facets of the game right now. And with Damian Lillard playing the way he is, I would be terrified to go up against them in a four-game series if I was one of the better teams. Damian Willard has missed any type of beat from that dominant run he was on in the uh, regular season before the pandemic hit. Yeah, he definitely Uh, hasn't. uh, Just something, I I just got this alert. I don't know if you've seen anything, but Russell Westbrook is going to miss at least the start of the playoffs with a quad injury. Yes, and you want to know the crazy thing about that? What is they, that? The Rockets and the Thunder will be the two teams playing. So, oh. so CP3, that's the guy that got traded to the Thunder for um, the the Rockets guard and Russell Westbrook. They will not be able to have a full series because of Russell's quad injury. So that a, a storyline of you know former teammates and James Harden CP3 is going to be the big thing there. But we're not going to get to see the battle of the guys who were exchanged. In one of the more one of the biggest blockbuster trades we've seen in the NBA in quite some time. Right, so that'll be something to watch out for in that yeah. series. Um, other than that, I think we got yeah one. Good here. You you touched on the Mets. Yeah, I have one more thing. Well, you touched on the Mets, and I just wanted to bring up um, this 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 uh, great character on Twitter tweeted. I'm beyond thankful that the Mets have been able to play all their scheduled games so far this season without complications. I'm not thankful for the fact they played like crap in most of them. At- yep. At official Matt MCC, so whoever that is, he uh, you know kind of put that into perspective, and so it was a it's a great time. So uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good tweet. So 
Yeah. So they're they're actually about to go on. Uh, they're they're playing at one o'clock today, one ten. So I might turn them on for a bit. David Peterson on the mound, who uh, has made his MLB debut this year, and he's actually looked pretty good on the mound. I, I think he's uh, he's got some good poise, and he's held strong in some tough situations. So um, considering all that's happened with our rotation, with uh, you know Zach Wheeler leaving and Syndergaard getting hurt, and Michael Walker having to hit the the pup list or not pup list the the il the the injury list and then marco stroman opting out yeah. uh, it's been good to see a guy like that kind of step up and kind of solidify that number three spot he might even bump up to the two because steven matz has been getting licked every time he's gone on the mound this year uh gazelman came out and started for the first time in a while last night he gave up a three-run homer in the first uh pitched a scoreless second yeah and then he was done after two. They tried to make so, uh, but like I said, I've, I've really been a fan of what this David Peterson kid's been doing, and hopefully the Mets can just turn it around. They got to take uh, the game today. That would be good. They would go to nine and eleven, just two games under. Uh, and you know, you can, you know, it, it, I don't think it's done yet, but they got to start hitting more. They hit the ball last night. They put up eleven runs, so that was good. Uh, you know, you just want to, you just want to build off what you do the night before. And last night, Pete Alonso had a home run and was starting to hit the ball. So if he can finally start heating up. I think this team can be pretty dangerous, but you know, it's only a 60 game season. So time's running out. So they either got to get it together now or uh, keep hanging below 500 and just trying to play catch up, which yeah. that's not the key success, especially not in a 60 game season. So for sure. So yeah, I think that's, all. I think, uh, that's our show. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, hopefully Saturday. Um, well, yeah, we were, we're going to turn around and give you guys another episode pretty quickly. Yeah, well, so. we're going to def- try to decipher uh, after the show whether we want to publish it Saturday when we record or whether we want to push it to Sunday to give a little bit more uh, time for this right. one to get some plays. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But thank you for listening. We're going to give you an NBA preview on Saturday. We'll be back next Wednesday with yet another divisional preview. I think we're going to go with the NFC South following the NFC path South. that we set out for with the AFC. So uh, it's going to be a ne- another fun show that we have for you. And NFC we- South, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. Me uh, too. There's a lot to unpack in that division. Absolutely. So, so it's going to be it's going to be a good one. But thank you all for listening, and we'll see you, see you next time. Have a good one.